Every corner of the digital universe. QCAT instant link to the internet. Amstrad emailer, E3 video phone. Technology called eye smell. Smelling mold and mildew and animals. Man, I got to smell the swamp today. Welcome to Water Cooled Potato, your guide to the obsolete and absurd tech of the past, present, and future. I'm Kevin. I'm John. And on today's podcast, we'll be discussing write-only memory, or WOM for short. Oh boy. <laughs> so, once upon a time in the 1970s, there was an engineer working for Signetics, an American electronics manufacturing company that designed integrated circuits, that was frustrated by the complex sequence of steps needed to approve data sheets. Okay. So he decided to create specs for write-only memory, or WOM. His reasoning behind his thinking was, if there's read-only memory, why not write-only memory? Uh-huh. The WOM went through the approval chain and ended up in the Signetics new products catalog with everything else. The only reason it got the attention of management was that customers began asking for the price and shipping of it. Signetics then printed a corrected data book and asked for the erroneous ones to be returned. Of course, customers heard as to why the company wanted the data books back, and of course, kept them. I would too. <laughs> Around 1974, Signetics bought a two-page full-color ad in the April issue of Electronics Magazine and published the WAM datasheet as an April Fool's joke. To make sure nobody bought it, they put a hefty price tag on it. I was unfortunately unable to find the price since, at the time of this writing, April 1974 issue of the Electronics Magazine is not on the internet. Mm. There was also a link to the download of the original datasheet. Hmm. There was also a link to download the original datasheet, but that was sadly taken down. Uh. They also did a promotional pamphlet saying, Be famous! Have a WOM named after you! Okay. Again, there's no picture copy of it on the internet, because this was almost 50 years ago. Right. Even though Signetics spent a lot of money in advertising, you gotta admit that they have a have at least a slight sense of humor when it comes to expensive April Fool's jokes. Yeah, so... <laughs> so, like, I wonder what this guy's boss thought when he found out that his employee had created this fake product. According to Techopedia... In the most basic sense, write-only memory describes memory locations that cannot be read, but can only be written to. In some senses, this term is a logical fallacy in IT, but it does have some relevance to certain systems involved in the interaction between microprocessors and some kinds of hardware. So, okay. it's supposedly not useless, but I have no idea how you're going to use it. Right, it's like, I'm just going to write this down on this sheet of paper, drop it in this box that happens to be a paper shredder. It's stored in there, but uh, hmm. you're never getting it back. Yeah. That's <laughs> eh, not the perfect analogy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or throw something into the trash, and then it's emptied. Wait, where is it? I don't know. Ooh, I know. Pour water into a water glass and then expect to get your water back out. Nope. You're not going to get the exact water molecules. So, let's 
Yeah, that one. <laughs> Let's take a look at this data sheet. There wasn't a, the original data sheet for approval, but I did manage to find a Signetics data sheet for the write-only memory, which is what I got in front of you. All right. So let's see here. Fully encoded 90s 46XN random access write-only memory. Oh, yeah. And I forgot. They also made supposed working models. Well, they didn't say working models. They said models. But they also showed it to a lot of other companies and people that, yeah, we have write-only memory. You want to purchase some? Uh-huh. I wonder how that went over. <laughs> uh, well, they put the price ridiculously high so nobody would actually buy it. So, yeah, of course they made zero sales. <laughs> so the applications of it is don't care buffer stores, least significant control memories, post-mortem memories for weapon systems, Artificial memory systems, non-intelligent microcontrollers, first in, never out, Finno, asynchronous, asynchronous buffers, overflow register, bit bucket. So basically, it's pretty much useless. Okay, I notice here that under cooling, it says that the. 25120 is easily cooled by employment of a six foot fan one half inch from the package. If the device fails, you have exceeded the ratings. In such cases, <laughs> more air is recommended. Uh, okay. And while you were listing that off, the temperature range and the part identification is zero dollars to. <laughs> zero celsius to negative 70 so um right how are you not gonna have like condensation and destroy your write only memory you put it in a freezer okay you put it in the middle of a walk-in freezer with your standard six foot fan yeah do you have do you have any idea what the block diagram does i'm not very familiar with that stuff. So I'm not entirely sure I know what I'm looking at, but I think this is like a visual representation of like logic. And again, I I imagine this is probably hilarious to someone who can understand it, but <laughs> I don't understand it enough to uh, yeah. really know what it's trying to tell us wait a second there's a clock in and clock out completely separate from the all the main diagram what hmm on the bottom of this clock in little wire to this rectangle thing that i can't read and then clock out and then above that's a water drain well supposedly water just says drain and there's a water drop coming out of it <laughs> yup uh-huh okay oh Oh yeah, one of the features was um, write-only memory was that some people claimed to be constantly writing to it for two years and it still hasn't filled up. <laughs> hmm, just like those 256 gigabyte flash drives for 10 bucks. Uh, you mean the 512 gigabyte flash drives for 14? Right. That's a better deal, obviously. You can just keep putting data in. Hey, that's... Mm -hmm. 
that's almost a form of write-only memory. You can keep copying data to it. You never oh get gosh. it back, and it never fills up. Oh my gosh, I never thought of that. That's... wow. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, commonly, if you find a huge flash drive for an unbelievably low price, it's a fake with an actual capacity of four or eight gigabytes, which has been modified to report that it's some other capacity, 256 or 512 gigabytes or 128. There's some one terabyte ones. There's also two terabyte. <laughs> and when you write data to it, it just keeps overwriting itself over and over again. So you can't mm -hmm. store really much of anything on it. But you can keep copying to it, and it never fills up. Or you can just put four gigs or less of stuff on it, and then go, look at all that space that's non-existent on my flash drive. <laughs> <sighs> Looking at some of the notes, 11 is coffee breaks and lunch hours. Where is that? Um, let's see. In the description... Although a static device, a single TTL-level clock phase is required to drive the onboard multi-port clock generator. Data refresh is accomplished during CB and LH periods, which is coffee breaks and lunch hours. Right. That makes no sense. How, how does it refresh during coffee break and lunch hours? It takes so long that you have to go take a coffee break and then come back? <laughs> Kind of like doing, like, engineering work on a laptop with integrated graphics. Let's just render this and or compile this piece of code. Twelve hours later. <laughs> uh, more realistically, it fails eight hours in. Or you can just, like, zoom out and then wait ten minutes and take a coffee break. Because it's processing the zooming out in the model. Oh, right, right. Mm. This thing in the process technology is the use of Signetic's unique sex, which is said, you have a dirty mind. SCX is Signetic's extra secret process. One shovel full to one shovel full. Patented by Agura Kazkuli, Converse and AI Sursa 1921. Okay. It processes yields VTH, whatever that is. And it allows the design, well, this person called Jake Kane calls a design, in parentheses we humor him, and production, see modern production techniques by Tier Arianetta, not yet written, of higher performance MOS circuits that can be obtained by competitors' techniques. Wait. What? Okay, besides all that, jumping to other stuff. What, do you, what does it mean by obtained by competitors' techniques? That's what I want to know. Does it mean that they stole it from their competitors? Hmm. Wait, hmm. Oh, oh, I think I understand it. So basically what it's saying is it's using its extra secret process to be able to design and produce something that doesn't exist by way of copying their competitors. Right. Makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. That's basically what it says. Okay. Hmm. 
Okay. Under special features, it states that because of the employment of Signetic's proprietary Sanderson Rabbit channel, the 25120 will provide 50% higher speed than you will obtain. What? So kind of like how someone overclocks a, C a CPU with Allen 2, and then you have an air cooled, and you wonder why yours is so slow compared to yours? I don't know. Hmm. Allen 2 is basically liquid nitrogen, by the way. Right. Um, let's see, what else? Ooh, you want to read the silicone packaging? Low-cost silicon dip packaging is implemented and reliability is assured by the use of non-hermetic sealing of a non-hermetic sealing technique which prevents the entrapment of harmful ions <laughs> but which allows for the free exchange of friendly ions yeah okay so i i'm not very smart in like ions and biology and all that stuff but i I do know some things about ions, and there is no such thing as harmful and friendly. There's positive, neg- eh, wait a second. No, all the ions are all neutral. Unless, maybe they're all positive, I don't know. That was... But I do know that, <laughs> I do know that there's no such thing as harmful and friendly. Especially to electronics, like pretty much any static electricity is bad for electronics. So, yeah, I don't know. I also found an interesting 14-year-old blog that was talking about the WAM. I just noticed here it uh, suggests uh, using 1-amp fuses in all power supply and data lines. Where? Uh, bipolar compatibility toward the end. Okay, um, is that ridiculously too much, or...? Well, I don't think think you should need a fuse on every single pin. Oh, every single pin? Yeah, that's what it's saying. Like, imagine your CPU having a fuse on every single pin. That's what it's suggesting, basically, I think. Uh, okay. <laughs> Except this thing, I don't know how many pins it's supposed to have, not hundreds, probably like a dozen. So, uh, are, are you checking out the ancient forum on Signetics WAM? I'm quickly skimming it. <laughs> now, there's a link to the supposed data sheet, but uh, you need access to it. And I obviously don't know the username and password, so that's kind of unfortunate. This person by the name of Jeff Lieberman claims to be that that was me in, in a previous life. No scans, but I think I can find their, the original if I want to spend literally all day digging through boxes and boxes of ancient papers. I may have tossed it in a previous cleanup purge. I'll try to find it, but no promises. So basically, yeah, it's gone. Mm. Maybe it'll surface eventually? Uh, kind of doubt it. It's It's been close to 50 years. <laughs> oh, that's, that's kind of a dark thought. Assuming this guy's still alive. Hmm. <laughs> Probably. Most likely. Maybe if he... Continuing the... Uh... Darkness here. Maybe if this guy dies, someone will clean out his stuff, find the data sheet, and upload it. <laughs> or they're most likely gonna be like most people and just throw everything. Yeah. Which would be unfortunate. Hmm. April issue of Datamation must have been some sort of electronics magazine. Article describing the bomb. 
It was a two by two by one maple block, which could be had in one wire or two wire configuration. The claim was that a high speed computer of the day had written continually to it for two years without filling it up. That's where I heard that. <laughs> oh, I don't know what any of this stuff is, but the, is the complementary metal oxide semiconductor any good? I mean, that's a whole division, but ooh. The, what about, so this person called Jack also developed a dead, which is a dark emitting diode. I'm guessing that's useless. Um, so an LED is a light emitting diode, so oh, <laughs> it's uh, it emits it's a bulb that emits darkness. But wouldn't that be cool if you had like you and your enemy were facing off in a dark tunnel? They had their flashlight and you had their dark light, and then you just kept making your dark light more and more powerful, sucking up all of their light, and they weren't able to see. I mean, I don't think physics worked that way, but it would be cool. Maybe there's a sci-fi movie on that. Probably not. <laughs> hmm. So this person's talking about test equipment. At the time, HP and Tech were delivering color-glossy brochures for some of their equipment, which is, I'm assuming, like computers or something like that. I built a cardboard box that was the same size as the desired equipment and plastered it with either a cutout from the brochures or an enlargement from the catalogs. I added a real power cord, some BNC connectors, and whatever else might make it look more realistic. <laughs> the chief engineer pretended not to notice on the assumption that I would eventually give up. However, the visitor me visitors, members of the board, and customers that toured the lab all asked, What's that? If I have many possible answers all of which assumed that the desired test equipment would eventually arrive. Batting average was about 50%. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So this next paragraph is, Computers were the hot new thing, and computer furniture were considered somewhat of a status symbol. The furniture stores could not afford real computers for the displays, so they had cardboard models. I think I've seen those. Eventually, a Radio, Sh Radio Shack Model 2 appeared. Followed by an Apple III. The cardboard computers worked better. <laughs> Wait, does that mean Radio Shack had a computer at one point? Hmm. TRS-80. Um, sold through Radio Shack. I've heard of the TRS-80 before. So the, the TRS-80 microcomputer system is a desktop microcomputer launched in 1977 and sold by Tandy Corporation through their Radio Shack stores. The name is an abbreviation of Tandy Radio Shack Z80 Microprocessor. So TRS is, stands for Tandy Radio Shack 80. The 80 is for the Z80 CPU, apparently. Hmm. It's, uh... Did it have any write-only memory? Um, I'm guessing not. Aww. That would have been cool! <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense. Oh, wait, they wouldn't be even be able to obtain it besides if they, like, stole test samples, which wouldn't even work. Hmm. So sad. 177 views of this ancient forum. Wow. Huh, that's really not that many. Well, another thing is a lot of the... When I was doing my research for the WOM, a lot of... Well, not a lot, but uh, quite a few of the websites that I would find my data was in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> ah, 
But this 14-year-old forum is still being hosted somehow. That, that's kind of a wonder of the world right there. Hmm. A 14-year-old forum talking about something that happened, let's see, for them 30 years ago. Hmm. Oh, yeah. There's all, of course, Wikipedia supposedly has a definition for everything. But since they're more strict about you have to have all your sources and with and the most reliable sources from some guy's blog, the yeah, Wikipedia doesn't have the most reliable definition because it doesn't think blogs are credible, which vast majority of the times they're not really. But it did leave you to me some sources that were closer to the truth. Everything's just so old it was kind of fine hard kind of hard to find data on it <laughs> yeah it's but it's still possible yeah it's always an interesting adventure trying to uncover stuff about these weird old stuff the weird old tech it's like there's bits and pieces and there's an article here and there's a forum post here and 1980s electronic magazine with three thousand dollar computers base model not including inflation. <laughs> wow. Yeah, computers were really expensive. And people today complain that computers are expensive because they paid $200 for their laptop. Um, excuse me? That's really cheap. <laughs> yeah. Even in the last 10 years, computers have become cheaper. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like my dad, God, it was a like 2004 laptop. He paid at least 1000 thousand two thousand dollars for it yeah two thousand dollars nowadays you can get a really good high-end laptop for a thousand yeah mm. let's quick talk about one of the strangest diy projects i have ever come across on the internet so oh, it, it, it's not right only memory oh <laughs> this is something that you can do at home so oh this is the mouse mouse. Haven't you always oh, no. wanted your computer mouse to have the look and feel of a real mouse? Of course you have. No. So no. Oh no. Why not get yourself a dead mouse, cut it open, skin it, and wrap its skin around a disassembled computer mouse. So this is an actual project on Instructables. So make your own mouse mouse in just nine steps uh, at the beginning. Nine steps. Warning, this project involves taxidermy, dremels. <laughs> oh, dremels? <laughs> what are you using okay. the dremel for? And sometimes I don't know. I don't re okay. <laughs> and sometimes graphic pictures of dead animals. While there are no guts in this tutorial, viewer discretion is still advised. Yeah, no if kidding. you are offended by this entire idea, please pursue the wallet contest or the laser cutter contest instead. I don't know what that's referring to. But uh, here we go. Step one: acquire mice. Obtain a small travel-sized hardware mouse. Uh, it should be a wired mouse, um, and it should be fairly small so as to fit inside of the 
wetware mouse. So obtain a similarly sized wetware mouse. Mm -hmm. These are commonly What? available fresh or frozen from pet stores or any place that sells reptile food. Oh. It's easier to fit a small object into a large mouse than a large object into a small mouse. So err on the side of caution. You can always fill the extra space with cotton balls. Okay. If you've gotten an optical hardware mouse, make sure to choose a pale furred wetware mouse for the lightest skin pigment. This will be important later. What? Dissect the hardware mouse. So basically, take apart the computer mouse and cut the cable off oh. and so you can reattach it later uh yeah take off as many extra bits as you can try to cut it down so that it fits inside your mouse and then uh make a new slot like reassemble it after making it as small as possible and uh cut a new hole in the back of the plastic casing because the cord is now going to be coming out the back. You know, the tail. So which way is the cord facing? Like like normal mice? The cord's coming out... No, the cord's coming out of the mouse's butt. Step four. Okay. Shave... <laughs> <laughs> Step four. Shave wetware mouse. Uh, so you grab some tweezers, fingernails, a razor, some wax... Remove fur from your wetware mouse's belly. This is where the optical sensor will peek through at the end of the process. So you'll need to clear the fur out of the way. Okay. Uh, then you s we started with a sharp scalpel, then moved on to tweezers and fingernails as they are easier and less likely to damage the skin. Your mileage may vary. Go with what works. Okay. Dissect wetware mouse. Disassemble your mouse. Take your mouse apart using the techniques described in my previous mouse taxidermy instructable. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> you should now have a bag of mouse skin. Discard the innards. Remove the tail if you want to run a cord through the opening instead. Wrap and wire the legs as described for a bit of support. But cut off the wire ends. We'll just let the legs hang loose around the body. <laughs> Okay. Prepare a head-only form and attach the eyes. Step 6. Assembly Part 1. Reconstitution. Uh, run a cable through the tail hole and re-solder four wires onto the surface of the circuit board. Refer to the How to Solder Instructable. Okay. Reassemble the shell and circuit board. Hot glue the pieces in place. If you've trimmed any bulky edges of the casting away, you'll want to wrap them in plastic to keep the mouse's skin away from the circuit board. Step 7. Assembly Part 2. Integration. Uh, basically, stuff the m mouse inside the mouse. <laughs> okay, that sounds uh, weird. <laughs> uh, we inserted the hardware mouse into the shoulders first, then pulled the tail region around the back. It was a tight fit. Next time, we'll find a fatter mouse. As it's... <laughs> okay. And then you put your mouse in your mouse. You just fill... 
Uh, the skin is stretchy as long as you keep it moist. Okay. Sew up the back opening starting near the tail and working towards the head. Leave space for the scroll wheel. Uh, then step eight is to slice a hole in the belly for the optical sensor. Okay. I'll just skip past that bit. Yeah. And step nine, completed mouse mouse. Now plug your mouse mouse into your computer and test things out. Ours worked perfectly. I was really quite surprised by how well it turned out. The buttons and scroll wheel worked beautifully, as did the cursor movement after we trimmed the belly skin away from the optical sensor. You may need to trim a bit of fur around the edges of the scroll wheel or optical sensor, but otherwise it's a wrap. Keep in mind that this mouse isn't meant for heavy-duty computer use. It's a functional work of art and should be saved for stylish installations and special occasions. What? Using the mouse mouse on a daily basis will likely cause shedding. All right. Wait, so uh -huh. how do you have a left and right click button? You just kind of push on the left or right shoulder of the mouse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so it's the shoulder, so uh -huh. you're not having your, fing your fingers on the butt then, okay. Yeah, that'd be a little weird. <laughs> no, your palm your yeah. palm rests on the mouse's yeah. butt. That's that's fine. You mean back, not just the butt. Come on, PG. <laughs> well, the the back and the butt. Okay. Right. Um. Yes. They end by saying every nerd who's any nerd should have one. No. I don't want it. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you don't want to cut apart a mouse and stuff electronics in it. I mean, maybe if someone gave it as a gift, I might keep it, maybe. <laughs> I don't think I'd want that thing around. I probably wouldn't either. Ooh, but what if what if you had, like, the super awesome full-tower gaming computer with all this RGB, everything RGB, all the lights, and then, I, and then you, instead of getting an RGB mouse, you get a mouse mouse. Oh my gosh. Oh, you gotta make the eyes glow. Like, you gotta replace the eyes, the beads with LEDs so you can have RGB eyes on the mouse mouse. Oh my gosh, that part, a little part of me wants to see that. The other part of me is like, okay, that's way too much RGB and that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be a bit disturbing to see red glowing eyes looking out of the dead body of a mouse. <laughs> I mean, it'll be facing away from you, so you can just... Tell yourself it's looking at all of my enemies as you kill people on the internet. Obviously, just like in games, right. obviously. I'm talking about games. Right. Right. The weirdo with a disemboweled mouse on his <laughs> desk. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill anyone. <laughs> what, this? Oh, it was already dead. <laughs> okay, then. So, yeah. The internet's full of weird stuff. There we go. And that's how we know that we won't <laughs> Some... run out of stuff to talk about. Sadly, though, that kind of concludes today's episode. Yes. So if you enjoyed this show, subscribe and consider supporting us on Patreon. We promise not to talk about weird stuff. Well, really weird stuff. That was the first time we talked about something that weird, John. Hmm. <laughs> well, maybe we'll... 
maybe once in a great keep while. Keep it a bit less disturbing in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's all audio, so I don't know. If if some of you hate us or if, let us know, then I guess we won't <laughs> do it anymore. But thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.